0: This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to Season 2 of the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast for Parents. The 5 to 8 Shift podcasting community exists to educate, inspire, and encourage parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. Here, we talk about all the things impacting parents today, everything from health to big emotions, toddlers, to teenagers, faith, self-care, stress, and so much more. We know parenting is tough work, but family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone. Family is one of life's greatest adventures. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Hey everyone, it's your host Susanna. Happy new year. Welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift. I am so thrilled that you're here. I'm excited you're taking time in your week to invest in you and your family and your relationships. And 2022, here we are. Happy New Year. I hope that your family is off to a great start. I know, uh, firsthand, it's a little chaotic in the world right now, but I hope that y'all are making the best of it just like we are um, and kind of taking it one day at a time. And so I have a great episode lined up for you guys today. Today's episode is with some friends of mine, Molly D. Shepard and Peter J. Dean, and so When I was a master's student at Villanova University, so I got my master's in communication at Villanova and there was another girl in the program who was about a year ahead of me and her name was Monica and she worked for this company called The Leader's Edge, Leaders by Design, and she posted a job position. And she said, hey, we're looking for part-time help. Is there anybody in the program who might be interested? And so at this point, I was a full-time student going to school in the evenings. And I waitressed about mm, five to seven shifts a week. So maybe four days during the week. And then I would waitress on the weekends. And it was a good little gig. And so I was like, hey, I'm totally interested. You know, I'm halfway through the program. Going to have to get a real job here soon. And long story short, Molly was the CEO and founder of the Leaders Edge and her husband, Peter Dean, he ran um, Leaders by Design, which is the men's coaching division. And so the two of them, they have written tons of books, they have given speeches all over the country. And so they run a leadership development firm that helps leaders really hone their skill and think about the environment and think about their brand and presentation. And um, Peter is a professor. So, you know, we connect on some of the professor stuff. And Molly, you know, I started working part time and Sure enough, after a while, I was full-time, and I ended up working for the Leaders Edge, Leaders by Design, for about six and a half years, and it was a fabulous experience, and I owe so much of what I know about the corporate world to these two, and they're just the loveliest people and they are wonderful and they wrote a children's book and i'm so excited you know when people in your life um give you so much you hope that in your future career you can do something to give back to them and so when i found out that they um wrote this children's book i was thrilled to have them on my podcast because the book is darling. And what it does is it brings a lot of the lessons that they have learned over their very successful leadership development careers into a format where you can talk to your kids about being little leaders, being leaders on the playground, being leaders in their schools, being leaders on their sports teams. And so I think it's a fabulous resource. And we talk at the end of the interview about ways that parents can read this book and then talk to their kids about opportunities to look for leadership and influence at their level. And so the book is called Little Leaders in their stories. I'm so excited to have Molly Shepard and Peter Deans on my podcast. And I'm going to leave it right there. As always, if you want to do anything to help this podcast, share with a friend and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. Thanks for being here. Y'all have a great day. Molly Shepard and Peter Dean, welcome to the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys today. Um, Why don't we start off? I'm going to have Molly, why don't you kick us off giving a short introduction to who you
1: are for my listeners. Well, thank you, Susanna, for having us on. We so appreciate this opportunity. Um, I am a leadership development and executive coach. I've been doing this work for a long time. Uh, and I founded two companies that address that issue of uh, helping executives become more effective in their workplace. And um, my focus has been primarily for the last 20 years on women. And I found 20 years ago when I did some, some significant research into how women were faring in the corporate marketplace that they were not advancing As well as they should. They were not moving into executive roles. They were not moving into the C suite. They were not moving onto boards. And I began to think about what those challenges that were preventing them from moving were and addressed a leadership and coaching protocol to address those challenges. And in summary, Susanna, there, you know, women find uh, in a very male, still male dominated corporate environment uh, challenges around asserting themselves. Uh, being heard, uh, being seen as strategic business leaders, um, having the kind of presence that will get them to the table uh, as a as a colleague and a decision maker. So a lot of our work is around helping them refine and enhance those leadership skills. And at the end of the day, it is all about confidence. And if a woman's confidence wobbles or hasn't been... Um, you know, put into place. Uh, mm-hmm. They may encounter situations at work that uh, cause them to back off and not vie or 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 uh, compete for some of the more significant roles that are available to them. So we need to get them into those roles if that's what they want to do. And um, we're very proud of the fact that we've had thousands of women come through our leadership coaching programs and have done very well. Over sixty percent of them get promoted and and receive increased scopes of responsibility so our work is ongoing because the numbers have not changed a whole lot and well and
0: that's what i wanted to ask you so you've been doing you, you know you just said you had some of these programs and companies for 20 years so you have these stories of these individual women who are getting these skills and then able to better you know advocate but like how far has the needle moved systemically
2: hmm.
1: Like, are, is it the same far.
0: issues 20 years ago?
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. It is pretty much the same wow. issues. Uh, we've, we've had those issues vastly complicated by the pandemic, of course, as we all know. And I should add that I'm a mother of three children and a fourth stepchild, as well as a grandmother of seven young, very young children. Um, so I understand the complications of working and having a personal life, but I feel really for the women out there who have suffered through the pandemic and have not been able to keep their jobs as a result of that. So the fact that women have been part of the, the great resignation, larger numbers than men has caused those numbers to, to go down. What I'm saying is more women on boards, more companies and states are committed to increasing diversity on boards. So that's improved. I think when I started out, they're about 4% uh, all women on the large corporate boards. And now it's up to about 20 to 25%. So the numbers improved. But in the executive suite and in the C-suite, the numbers are still very depressed. Mm
0: -hmm. So we have
1: work to do. Okay.
0: Sure do. All right. Thank you for that. And Peter Dean, how about you give us an introduction?
2: Well, thank you, Susanna, for having us on. Uh, my name is Peter Dean. I'm president of Leaders by Design. And uh, I was a former professor for 30 years teaching at five different universities uh, in the areas of leadership, in the mm-hmm. area of communication, and in the areas of ethics. And so uh, my new association for the last uh almost 20 years believe it or not uh is is with uh, the leader's edge and it's a partnership where we coach executives uh, men and women um, and along with the highly successful women's program here uh we've done a lot of executive coaching for uh, senior men yeah. and uh it's it's interesting that those topics of communication ethics and leadership, the the soft the softer kind of skills uh, are really important now, especially uh, if you break it down into interpersonal skills, uh, listening, empathy, attending, showing respect, being civil, has now become very important at senior levels. Um, for whatever reason, but uh, we are seeing an uptick in our experience of uh, being called in by a board to say, uh, our CEO is you know, kind of a little wonky right now. Can you come in and help out? So uh, from that experience, it's very interesting. Uh, it, it, there's a connection with the little leader's book because we find with men that they, um, how to say it, uh, uh, kind of are operating from early scripts. Yeah, you know? I'm sure. And so when Molly and I uh, got together to do this book, we wanted to uh, represent that because she finds early scripts with the women that are different from early scripts with the men. And so we thought, well, let's have children interact and then you know bring these ideas about leadership in. And so that's kind of the genesis of the book.
0: Okay. All right. Very interesting. You know, and I I would probably, I mean, obviously you guys know, but I would echo that, you know, there's things that you learn along the way and then you start working outside your home. And some of those, I don't want to say bad habits, but, you know, some of the things that worked in your twenties, you might need to change in your thirties and your forties and your fifties, especially if you want to implement and lead big organizations. And so I wanted to see, and actually Peter, maybe I'll have you go first on this one. Will you share a leadership story? Because you kind of just segued into that very nicely. You were just talking about some of the things that you have done some individual coaching on, because I think there's, um, I think there's a misconception that like coaching is always when somebody is doing awful, right? Or they're like about, to, and sometimes that's true, but I think you hit on a lot of the skills that are so important yet undervalued in our leaders. And so can you share a story about that with us?
2: Well, what we find in our executive coaching, uh, is that, uh, empathy has become very important, uh, and for whatever reason you can attribute that, uh, and have fun with that, I suppose. But, uh, And when we when I especially with the men, they have a hard time with empathy because they've been taught from an early age to be rough and tumble and to tough it out. And, you know, you you need to be strong. That means you can't have feelings or you need to be able to squash your feelings in order to be strong. And so these messages uh, have dire consequences later on when. They, uh, when the men have so much power uh, over other people, yeah, and they're not being receptive to feedback, not being receptive to information coming back uh, from the people that they lead. Uh, so therefore, um, you could say that that's bad leadership, uh, or you can just say it's uninformed leadership about what leadership is. Leadership not management. Management is just organizing processes, procedures, and uh, so on and so forth, quality, uh, sequencing. Uh, Leadership is really a lot to do with the interpersonal interaction with uh, executives. And, uh, you know, that one of the key things for men is overcoming this early script impression that they have to be rough and tumble and they can't. you know, they can't express any humility or uh, something that's become very important is humility, willingness to lead is one part of it. Uh, Having the humility to be able to get feedback about that leadership is the other part of it. And then the women have, and Molly will attest to this now probably, uh, you know, a different challenge with that uh, slightly.
1: Yeah. Well, women naturally... And not all women but women naturally listen better than men and are more empathetic so if a woman has a uh, problem with listening to her uh the people that she leads then that is something we might work on in, in executive coaching and leadership development but ch- chances are that's not the issue yeah so we're blessed because we use both sides of our brain and <laughs> You know, we're listening and and feeling the emotion uh, as well as figuring out how to deal with it and solve. That's right. So
0: that's right. So Molly, do you have a leadership story that you could share in your work? Someone that you've you know helped kind of um, come over some of these obstacles or a variety of obstacles or challenges?
1: Well, I, I mentioned that some of the uh, obstacles are really getting a voice and finding yeah. your voice and being assertive. So I've written a book called Break into the boys club which is all about how to in a in a male dominated environment establish your presence establish your visibility and your credibility so it has a lot to do with visual verbal and vocal it's it's you know Mm -hmm. how you present how you walk into a room when we used to walk into rooms uh, how you greet people, how you network strategically to ensure that decision makers and influencers know who you are. And that has to do uh, with how you speak. And, you know, if you have an up-speak problem or if your voice is too high or when you get upset in a meeting, uh, you become uh, too emotional and, and your voices get raised uh, up to a, on a typically a, a level that's not heard as well, uh, then you need to think about that. How are you yeah. going to put that down? How are you going to lower your volume? How are you going to develop more tonality? And then there's the whole presence issue is, you know, what do you want to be seen as? What's your brand? And it's not just what you wear. It's it's really how you've established yourself as a thought leader and a strategic communicator. So many women are not perceived as yeah. because they're always doing things and solving problems and writing lists and taking notes and that sort of thing, but they are strategic. Yeah. sure. so how do they present that in a different way?
0: Okay, good. And And mm, go ahead, Peter.
2: If I could just piggyback on that, that part of that for the women I think is to realize that they can learn leadership. Leadership is learnable. Yeah. When I was doing my dissertation uh, in leadership, uh, it was at the time in the 80s where people were still having that argument, but the yep. argument is no, no longer there. You can learn how to lead. And for the men, it's to get them to open up uh, more ways of leading uh, mm-hmm. as of being a very uh, command and control kind of leader, be a more cooperative, collaborative leader.
0: Okay, good. Uh, Molly, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the role of motherhood in some of these leadership positions. Some of the women that you work with, um, do they feel like their companies are, you know, are we in a time where all these big companies have flexible working arrangements, um, children are seen with open arms, or, you know, are we juggling better? Are we juggling well, or is this still... um, I'll stop right there. You can answer that.
1: Well, it's interesting you ask that because at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, about nine months into it, I would say, is companies were very anxious to bring all the people back to work. And they started setting up deadlines and dates and yep. so on. Um, and as things progressed, not only did the, the virus continue, but also um, the complications around life. Uh, they've loosened up on that. So now companies are talking about opening up in a hybrid way and Mm -hmm. in the spring, some are not even committing to a date. And and a lot of that has to do with with families, you know, because um they have, I think, in some ways become more sensitized to what uh women are juggling in particular. We were just on a Zoom call where a very high level woman in a very large company was talking to us about something strategic and her little six-year-old walked into the frame and she dealt with that and the six-year-old disappeared. It was endearing. And it was handled well by her and comfortably, I think two years ago, she would have been mortified, but yeah, companies are seeing that more and, and beginning to appreciate that these are families that they're dealing with and not just individuals. Um, I, however, am not sure it's that appreciation that sensitivity has been embedded enough to really last as, Mm. As we move forward uh, and things go back to more normal, I think the hybrid situation might. Yeah. Because uh, there are some jobs that are clearly being done very well virtually, um, and there are jobs that can't be done virtually. But I think, um, you know, the uh, flexibility and the understanding and um, just all the other elements that have um, helped women deal and juggle might not continue so i do get concerned about that
0: yeah i think i think you're on to something because i'm kind of seeing the downward shift myself with some of my friends who have more traditional you know at first it was like take your time that's fine mm-hmm. you know and now they're like are are you coming back can you come back 3 days or 4 days you know and our you know our our childcare i mean i, I know you guys are avid news consumers but the child care is such a problem finding somebody good keeping somebody good putting your kids in daycare there's all i mean it's a nightmare but i think companies they might have a threshold at which yeah i don't want to say it's fake but it feels like maybe not sustained would
1: you agree with that yeah i think it's in the moment i think yeah that- had no choice, but you know, they are obviously going to get back into business, want to increase their profits, the bottom line and money rules. Yeah. And, uh then I think the tolerance level uh will will decrease. Um, but maybe uh the women and the the men who've also suffered somewhat as well uh will speak up more, yeah. True you know, sure. and, and uh keep that momentum alive. So we just have to keep it, uh, we have to continue to talk about it and make sure we're attentive to what families are struggling with. Not everybody can go back into the office. It's true. It's true.
0: And this is a great segue talking about families into this new children's book that you guys wrote that I'm very excited about, Little Leaders and Their Stories. So tell me where this idea came from. I mean, obviously you guys have been working in leadership for a long time, but as you said, you're, you're both parents and grandparents and you've kind of seen leadership at all different levels. So tell me where the idea for this book came from and why you're passionate about telling this story.
2: Well, humbly I'll go first, but okay, great. um, It's really uh, watching these kids grow up, these grandkids grow up and, deal with issues themselves. And of course, as grandparents, we try to be there to uh, give them uh, encouragement in whatever way we can. And uh, and then making that connection with the leadership work that we do, I think was, was very inspiring. Because all we had to do is pick up the kids from school and watch. And yeah. we would lessen out of that day. I mean, it was there. So we've got to even a second book in, in mind already because of all the stories we hear uh, when the kids are in the backseat talking about their day. It's very interesting.
1: And and I'd add on top of that, we did a lot of work around bullying. Yes. A couple of years ago we wrote a book called The Bullyproof Workplace. and. <clears throat> I think it's the only book still that addresses uh, the bullying issues that are prevalent and really increasing in the in the workplace over the last few years, last twenty years, um, and that made us very sensitive to what children were dealing with in the playground, yeah, their classrooms, and how they were handling that. Now we we have seven children that we're observing, and um, and their stories are magnificent because they're at an age where they're open and tell us. Yeah thing but you know literally all the stories in this first book um are stories that we have heard or witnessed or experienced ourselves okay um in schools at a very young age so it all came together and and peter mentioned early scripts you know children bring early scripts into their school situation and if they're bullied at home they're going to bully in in the playground sure it's, You know, they don't uh, exhibit good teamwork on the basketball court. Uh, You know, they may have gotten that from their father or from a coach. So they're going to just exhibit what they've learned. Yeah. You know, these are friends. These five characters are good friends who support one another in um, addressing what they're encountering and thinking about it. And each story has a little moral. And from what we've understood uh, children who are reading it around the, the four to seven year age okay. with their parents, because it is a good book to read with parents, um, are not only seeing themselves, but also having a discussion yeah. about when that happened to them uh-huh. you know, they in the lunchroom and no one sat with them. And how did that feel? Or, you know, when they were rude to their parents, but they're considered to be very polite children, what does that mean? You know, why would they treat their parents differently than their friends' parents? You know,
0: tell me more about that one. That's the <laughs> one I'm trying to nail down.
1: <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, Where did it come from? You know? Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> um, and the characters are beautifully illustrated they're so cute you know and it's it seems like such a nice and i was going to ask you about you know reading it with your family so when families read this you know what is your what is your hope what do you hope they take away at the end of these stories
2: well it's interesting again i'll just give a brief comment uh when we brought the book to the kids to read uh, they wanted to be the characters themselves so oh, they immediately identified with that
1: and that's that's why we have a, a diverse little group of kids which we will probably expand in, in our next book okay well so we wanted to reflect children and uh you know america i guess that's uh, right um
2: and it took us a lot of t- time to come up with what they look like with
1: Okay, I hope that, um, first of all, this leads to productive discussions around yes. being a leader. And uh, for our 10 and 11-year-old grandchildren, I think it is something that they're listening to and, and valuing and hopefully hold on to. Um, I think it gives a, the parent a chance to uh, have a conversation that they may not have otherwise had. hmm uh, especially have you encountered this? Has this yes. problem For you kind of thing, because kids don't always talk about that with their parents. If you, if you're driving them around, we drive them around a lot and they're sitting in the back seat and, and they forget you're there. You might hear some stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they are not necessarily going to tell you what happened. Um, and it's different. We've looked at other books out there and everybody's publishing children's books now, but none of them are dealing with specifically these issues. Yeah. You know, and I like, you know, a lot of the like moral of the story is
0: like, you can solve this problem or you can help this person but I love that, you know, it's got leader in the title, like little leaders, like you, you might only be 10, but you actually have a lot of influence on things that might happen on your playground or in your lunchroom. And I think when we give kids that responsibility, they take it very seriously. And so it sounds like your book would be a great jumping off point for some of those conversations and families.
2: Sure. And, you know, unless they're on a sports field, Uh, where leadership is taught. That's right. Don't get exposed to leadership uh, interpersonally. Yeah. And that was our target to have the conversations with the little ones uh, be much more centered around leadership. Why wait until they finish an MBA program? Yeah, seriously. You know, yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking about my daughter, Molly Six. I think there's so many things that she could influence positively in her school. But part of it is just talking to her about that, making sure she understands, no, you can do that. You can step in and, you know, allowing her to kind of um,
1: test out some of those leadership skills. Well, that's a perfect age. And, you know, just the fact that she has influence, she may not appreciate. Uh, She obviously listens because she's not only a girl, she's named Molly. And, (laughs) uh, you know, she's, she's hearing her friends talk. About what they're struggling with and can be more sensitive to that. Maybe offer solutions. That's Uh, right. There's opportunity everywhere. That's right. Well, I'm very excited
0: about this and I know we're short on time. So I have um, two questions. I ask all my guests at the end. And the first one is what is uh, I'll use your grandkids because I know you guys spend a lot of time with them. What's your favorite thing to do with the grandkids right now? I know they're kind of different ages, the older ones. We'll go with them.
1: Uh, yeah. The um, Good question. The, my favorite thing to do with the kids right now, <clears throat> besides just experience uh, what they're going through in life and reflect on that, is to play board games. Yeah, And I'm so glad board games have come back. They have. But they're very all into sports and programmed uh, accordingly. But uh, now just to play Clue and Monopoly oh, yeah. and Taco Cats and just <laughs> wonderful games that, um, you know, just were so fundamentally important uh, for me when I was yeah. Because we didn't have screens. We didn't have TV. We, we either read or we played board games or card games.
2: Um, and, and-, and the discussion about sports, I think, is always a... Are constant with, uh, especially the boys. Yeah, they're always throwing football back and forth to each other and that sort of thing.
1: Now, with the little ones, the babies, uh, you know, just um, going with the flow, just (laughs) helping when needed. Yeah, right. Just seeing what they as they get into individual play, see what's interesting to them and what they're doing with their toys, and and giving them the space. uh, It's actually
2: the time when you teach the kiddos about love in a way yeah I, he, Molly and Jacqueline she's one of our uh, younger ones two year old uh, you know Molly's teaching her about love and it's she'll come over and oh I love you
0: it's so sweet it's two is I love two three not so much but I'll take all the one and two-year-olds uh, whoever said terrible twos did not hang out with a three-year-old that's what I always say <laughs>
1: <It's> True. <laughs> that is so true and
0: my last question is, how can people connect with you guys? So where's a good place people connect with you? And where can they get the book, um, The Little Leaders in Their Stories?
1: Well, Little Leaders in Their Stories is on Amazon. Okay. So easy, yes, it is. easy buy. And um, you can connect with us through the Leaders Edge, Leaders by Design. And we're both on LinkedIn. Yeah. So...
0: So on, link, on LinkedIn, there's the Leader's edges is on LinkedIn, right? Okay.
1: And, and then individually, Molly Shepard and Peter Dean are on Okay. LinkedIn. All right.
2: So, Wonderful. We, we both have author pages. Okay. So What's Molly, yours, Peter? Uh, Peter J. Dean, PhD. Uh, and that will give you uh, other publications in leadership. Okay. And is, I think is Molly D. Shepard.
0: I was going to say, I thought you guys had middle initials in there, right?
2: Yeah. yeah. Right. I like okay. her
0: i like them too but we welcome
1: anybody to reach out to us but we hope they buy the book and and enjoy it and we can't thank you enough for having us on your podcast yes, this
0: was such a pleasure i mean seriously what a great way to start the year reconnecting with you guys i hope it's a great year i know your time is valuable and i'm so pleased to have you on the podcast thank you so much for coming guys thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonigle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.